This morning's reading is from Acts, the fourth chapter, the 23rd verse. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do nations rage and all the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel and the city to conspire against the holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and the word of, and the, word of the Lord was spoken boldly. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us bow one more time in prayer. God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you with thanksgiving for the opportunity of being together, seated at your feet, to listen to your word. We ask you to anoint this moment. Help me to be clear in my communication and to bring the full truth of your word. Glorify your name and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I thank God so much for the opportunity of being part of this worship, being in fellowship with you. I thank you so much for your continued support for African enterprise. Thank you for being together with us as we take the gospel to different cities in Africa. My name, you have seen on the bulletin, there is one name missing, Paul Waswa. Sembiro. Waswa is a twin name in my culture, the Baganda. It is given to the first twin, if that twin is male. That means that I have another twin. He's a twin brother. He's James Cato. I'm an Anglican priest and he's a Pentecostal pastor. What an amazing God we serve. <laughs> I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in 1982. Uganda has a big nominal Christian population of over 80%. But very few of those people have known Jesus personally, come into a living relationship with the risen Lord. For me, it was in 1982. I came from, a, it was again as a background of a broken and dysfunctional family. My mother left home when I was nine years of age. My father was alcoholic and abusive. And so at the age of nine, I was exposed to the violence of my father. We were in great lack, in great need of love. We faced rejection at home and rejection at school. Life was meaningless. There seemed to be no purpose in life for me. But in 1982, a young boy, my classmate, came sharing the gospel, talking about heaven and talking about hell saying, if you give your life to Jesus, you'll go to heaven. That was like a breath of fresh air. That was like water in the desert. 
and I gave my life to Jesus, I'm so glad he received me and has made me who I am today. I'm married to Tamar. We've been married for 15 years. And God has blessed us with four wonderful children. One girl and three boys who are missing very much. I've been away from them since the 9th of November when I started this trip. I'm so glad that God has helped us this far. I want to focus our sharing on the theme, prayer with boldness. And we're going to come back to the text which was read for us, prayer with boldness. It, our text comes in the context where the church is facing opposition, not because of the wrong things they have done, but because of lifting up the name of Jesus. Readers of the Bible, you will remember that in chapter 3 of this book, there is a powerful miracle that happens. Peter and John, as they walk to the temple, they speak to this man who has been lame for a long time, sitting at the temple gate, begging, and they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And this man is healed. And out of that, they lift up the name of Jesus in their religious context, and the religious leaders of their day did not like what was going on. That's why John and Peter are imprisoned, they are beaten, they are cross-examined, and ultimately, they are released. When they are released, they go back to their church family. And how does the church respond? The church responds with prayer. They don't sign up to send a letter to their parliament or whatever, but they respond with prayer. And when they pray, they ask for boldness, but they also pray with boldness. We may read this text and wonder how to apply it in our own lives, but I think that as we journey through life, there are many times when we need to pray like these saints prayed. And there are many lessons we can pick from these saints as we pray about different situations. When we pray, particularly in Africa, again, a spiritual stronghold, it is not a short, humble, well-calculated prayer. But life can truly be in danger. Many years ago, um, we woke up in our home about 2.30 or 3 a.m., my wife went to the bathroom, and when she went to the bathroom, she actually fell down, started losing her breath, and I didn't know what to do. That is not a time when you can really collect yourself and respond in a Christian way. I just looked on. Thankfully, someone was praying for us. So she got over that, went back to bed, and as soon as I slept, I had this dream, and in the dream, it had to do with pictures of witchcraft and lions attacking us. That's when my eyes were opened that we are under spiritual attack. In fact, in a neighborhood, in a place where we live in Bueyo Gedele, there were witch doctors practicing witchcraft in a neighborhood. And so we went on a fast with my wife, three-day fast, praying against powers of darkness and praying for release, praying for protection for our own lives. This was a response that didn't need to be a collected, wonderful, 
Anglican and use a formal prayer, but to address powers of darkness with boldness in the authority of the power of God's word and in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. So there are times which we go through as human beings which will require boldness. As I've worked with Jesus, I'm convinced that people will pray with boldness when they know three things or when they are convinced of three things. First and foremost, when God is all they have. When God is all they have. We all have needs, but sometimes there are other ways of meeting these needs. There could be people you can consult. There could be ideas you could employ to get out of a situation. As a Christian, you will pray about it, but your prayer may not be a prayer with boldness because, after all, there is an option. There is an alternative. But when God is all you have, you're bound to pray in the passion and spirit of the book of Acts. There is another story from my country of a family that waited to have a child for a long time. And when their baby was born, the baby fell ill and was admitted to a national hospital. And after a while, this baby went into a coma, was put on a life support machine, and they were watching their baby, their own, only child, day after day. After a couple of days, the nurse came and told the mother, the time has come, we must switch off the life support machine. And the mother said, no way, over my dead body, you will not switch off that machine. The wife calls the father who was working in the bank and says, this is what is happening. And the father, instead of coming to hospital, the father went home, locked himself up in the home, and started crying out to God, and started praying for their baby to be restored. After a couple of hours, the baby came out of coma, and in a few days, the baby was discharged. This family is praying or turning to God because their only solution lies with God. So they are bound to pray with boldness. But sometimes also, answered prayer is the only way forward. Answered prayer is the only way forward. Sometimes in life, we may pray about things, and if they shouldn't happen, no big deal. Life will go on, even if that prayer is not answered. But there are times in life when answered prayer is the only way forward. And there are several um, examples in the Bible. But let me remind you this one in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. It talks about Joshua in battle. And Joshua makes a prayer no man has ever made. And the commentary on his prayer is that there has never been a day when God answered a man like God answered Joshua. What did Joshua ask for? Joshua asked that the sun should stand still until it's done with the battle. That the sun should stand still until Joshua is done with the battle. And God answered that prayer. Brothers and sisters, I pray that God will move your hearts to pray for Africa. 
that God will remind you in your cell groups, at your family altars, when you meet as brothers and sisters to pray for Africa. For we need God to move very strongly in Africa. Many of you will know a few things about Africa. Mike has mentioned we have a population of over a billion people. We have so many resources, but we also have so many struggles. And we are convinced as African enterprise, if the church can raise up in prayer like the church in the book of Acts and pray for Africa, Africa will change. Let me mention four key things which you need to remember when you pray for Africa. Number one prayer again is the rise and growth of Islamic fundamentalism. Prayer again is the rise and growth of Islamic fundamentalism. There is a strategy to take over Africa, and it has been around since the 1970s, when the Organization for Islamic Countries was formed, and the dictator Idi Amin, the president of Uganda back then, signed up Uganda to that organization without the consent of the Ugandans. But there has been a strategy to sweep across Africa. Uh, scholars tell us the two countries are stopping the advance of Islam down to the south of Africa, and those countries would be Nigeria and Uganda. So be praying against Islamic fundamentalism in Africa. Secondly, I would ask you to pray for the young generation. Africa is a young continent. My, only country, my own country, 67% of Ugandans are under the age of 25. 67% of Ugandans are under the age of 25. But we have a problem where the backbone of our value system is being eroded and eaten up. So pray that God will help us to be a people with integrity, to uphold chastity, to uphold respect for one another, respect for human life, and respect for the elders. Number three, pray that God will give us godly leaders in Africa. Godly leaders in Africa. Many nations think that the best way forward for Africa is to develop Africa, is to pour in more money, is to get people more business-oriented and generate their own income. Those are fine ideas. But as long as we have poor leadership in Africa, there is very slow progress we can make to where God wants us to go. Please pray for godly and selfless leadership in Africa. Next year in February, Uganda will go to the vote to choose our next president. Remember that month, remember Uganda, that God will give us godly leaders uh, next year going forward. And lastly, I would ask that we pray Again, it's the lostiness, spiritual lostiness in Africa. We still have a lot of witchcraft in Africa. There are still practices of human sacrifice in Africa. And we need to pray against that darkness, that the cloud that covers cultures and tribes will be lifted by the sovereign Lord that the church in Acts prays to. So now as I close, I want to draw your attention to the text and look at three key principles concerning prayer with boldness or praying for boldness 
which these saints prayed about. The first principle we learn from our text this morning is that these saints, in their circumstances, maintained that God was sovereign. In their circumstances, they maintained that God was sovereign. God remained sovereign even when the apostles had been arrested. God remained sovereign even when the church was being opposed. Their conditions and circumstances did not change their view of God. They maintained the sovereignty of God. It's a challenge to the church in our times. Many times our kind of a church is we want to love God and serve God as long as things are going okay. We seem to change our view of God depending on what we are going through. The church of the first century challenges us. They maintained their view of the sovereignty of God. So as they pray, they are saying to God, whatever was done to Jesus was what you had appointed and ordained to happen. All these people who seem to wield a lot of power around his life and against his life were not as powerful as they claimed to be. In all things, you remained sovereign. And that is a very important principle. Secondly, they ask for boldness. They're not asking that God changes their circumstances. They're not asking that God makes things easy for them. But they are saying, Lord, give us boldness that we may witness for you in our times. Give us boldness to share the story of the risen Savior. Give us boldness to remain true to the message of the gospel. And in the church in our times, I think we need more boldness. We are living in an age of political correctness. And political correctness is silencing the church. We need to ask God that he will baptize us with a spirit of boldness. That we may declare there is only one way to God. Only one mediator between God and man. The Lord Jesus Christ. They asked for boldness and God granted them boldness. Lastly, they maintained their focus on Jesus. Look at verse 30. They maintain their focus on Jesus. They are saying, Lord, now stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus remained the focus of the church in their time. It was not about building their own kingdoms, building their little tiny clubs and chiefdoms, as we see all over the world and in Africa the church becoming one kingdom and this having another kingdom, but they maintained their focus on Jesus. Their worship and their gathering, their ministry was centered around Jesus. And that is a good challenge for our time. As we have prayed in Africa, in African enterprise, we have seen God move on our behalf. And we are thankful that God has honored our efforts of evangelizing the cities. We are seeing many people come to the Lord. And recently, our team in Uganda was in a place called Mbali, a Muslim stronghold. 
chances of us being attacked were very high. But we prepared in prayer. We asked for angelic protection. We asked for the presence of God upon all our meetings. And looking back, I can say God answered that prayer. But also God brought these 16,000 people to himself who made a commitment to Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing God did in our time. So as we prepare in African Enterprise for our meetings, we try to call upon this God of the book of Acts, and we have seen him do mighty things. We have seen him do wonderful things. We have seen God deliver people who wanted to commit suicide and turn their lives around and give them hope and give them purpose because our God is alive and well. Remember to pray for Africa. And if you can, before you go, sign up and we'll be happy to share with you some prayer items for Africa. Once again, I thank you for your continued support for us. And we are asking more support, especially through prayer. Let us pray. I'll give you 20 seconds to reflect on the words of the sermon and to respond to God in one area where God is calling you to be vigilant in prayer, to commit to prayer as the first century church. Father God, we thank you that your word never loses power. And we thank you most especially that your spirit is always at work in us, bringing clarity to your word. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray with boldness. Lord, teach us to pray for boldness. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you.